How you doing? Good. I'm hungry. You're hungry? Well, we have a show of shows that will fill your mind and your body. And you have a big, big topic ready for us. Will it fill my belly with pizza? Because that's what I want right it's, now. It's going to. Well, okay. hey, I have a can of raspberry gelato that I'm no. waiting for. I got that, like, strawberry ice cream in the fridge. Ooh, that. Or freezer. Halo cat. Halo top? Yeah. Halo top. Yeah, there is something about eating a full pint of ice cream that's weirdly rewarding. I don't care if it's only 200 calories and tastes like... Like a hint of ice cream. It's like a LaCroix of ice cream. I was thinking the same thing. Anyway, this is Learn to Like it's like you. someone farted in ice cream. <laughs> someone farted <laughs> strawberries in ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that didn't give you a tip, this is Learn to Like Each Other. It's a podcast where we talk about relationships. And uh, Stephanie, later on in the show, usually after the break, will bring some knowledge in the research department when it comes to a study or a topic centered around relationships yeah and really by relationships we mean any topic that involves people yeah yeah that's pretty that's yes yes <laughs> correct if it involves people we're on it um <laughs> but we also talk about our relationship yeah and what's new with that the first thing i want to tell you about stephanie is that we are in brand new Learn to like each other. Studio Central. Oh yeah, we have a brand new studio. Um, when I mean by brand new studio, is that we had a room upstairs in our house with our microphones and computers and all mm-hmm. my music junk, and now all that junk is downstairs. <laughs> downstairs in a different room. Yeah, we had to make room for like new baby room type of situation stuff. So. Uh, Dell took care you, of a lot of that this week. You ever, so you ever play those games that are like puzzles where you have to like move one, you have to get the one thing to the end, but you have to move one thing to move another thing, and everything's sort of like yeah. connected, like cascading connections. And that's what it was like because we had this room and all the stuff needed to come in here, but to get the stuff in here, the stuff in here had to go to another place. And so it was the series of like moving things yeah. and scheming. We did a map of it and talked it out pretty well. I call it a master plan. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So baby room. So. Well, I once did a. I once helped as a project manager on a really big construction project. So this, I was like, okay. I, You're like, I've done millions of dollars worth of uh, well, project managing. We can do this. I didn't really like. I just listened to like the person that did, and I was like, <laughs> oh well, she did this, so I'll do something. You know. So yeah, there was a series of about like five rooms that went from one to another, which resulted in new studio. So here we are. What do you what are your thoughts? What do you what do you likes? Comments? Improvements? I like it. I feel like we got better storage for some of your stuff. I think the windows will be nice when we if we record at a different time. Yeah, It'll be we good. Can look outside. I'm excited. I like it. We could do like. Do a you show. like it? I, mean, I it's love your space. It. I think I'm not a big fan of like these domey lights. Um, no. One centered light, which is fine. Yeah, it looks like sensor warning. It looks like a boob. It does look they like a boob. They always bother me. <laughs> it's one of those boob lights. I want like a. I feel like what would really bring this is like a nice like desk lamp or like a corner lamp. Kind of yeah, give it that like intimate. Uh, I don't know. It's just like a weird boob mm-hmm. light. Yeah, I, I agree. I remember buying them and thinking, this is the best we can do. <laughs> so it's architecturally boring. Architecturally boring. But yet, we, we could have just replaced it with something else. Yet seductive. Nah. Is it though? 
anyway. Um, well, yeah. So that's that's kind of like my life update. This new studio, which I think is awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to-, to think of anything else. Oh. We've been watching our TV. We need a TV update oh, yes. because Bachelor. You're watching Bachelor. I'm watching The Bachelor with Peter. How's that going? Good. They really brought the drama. They're bringing it well. I I usually read the spoilers by now, but I'm trying not to. But on my Google Home thing on my phone, they served me up what might be the biggest spoiler of the all, and I'm really uh, hoping it's not. Oh no. Oh no. I know though. But if it is. But if I don't want it to happen, it's going to be more dramatic, which will be better. Maybe I do. Maybe like, what I do I want? Like, Peter to have a good life or good TV? Can I have both, though? <laughs> Isn't he the sex guy, the the sex in the windmill guy? Yes. What does he even want? Just, he, he, he won The Bachelor, didn't he? Well, after that, it didn't hurt his <laughs> reputation, I guess. Uh, I, I think if I were going on the show, that is not a fact I would enjoy about someone. <laughs> um, I mean, you're going to like learn that stuff, but everyone knowing that as the thing about you is a weird thing like to have in your relationship. You're the windmill sex guy. Yeah. Like your parents are going to meet this yep. guy mm-hmm. and they're going to know this thing, but. And they're all going to be like. <laughs> but I guess if you're going on a TV show to be in a relationship with someone, you're probably okay with it. It is impressive that they haven't had any contestants who have like weirder claims to fame oh well i don't know about that (laughs) juan pablo man wasn't he just a rich guy i don't really know i haven't watched it i just know the reputation ah um but we're also watching oh we finally started after a decade more than a decade of being on television and uh with all of our friends begging us that we need to start we started watching rupaul's drag race and the only reason we hadn't watched it is because it just wasn't on anything that we knew of. Apparently, it's on Hulu now. So good. And it's amazing. It's amazing. It's like the best. And we're starting in the first season, which is like proto uh, reality, early aughts, late, late singulars. Was that the aughts? Oh, nine? Oh, seven? I don't know. It's like flip phones, blurry lenses, and they're just really like an infant stage trying to figure out what a reality show is yeah it's interesting because you like you watch it and you know what reality you can see how reality tv shows have progressed i feel like watching reality television part of the fun of it for me isn't just the content of the show but like how the content develops over time oh yeah so even season one to season two there's been huge changes but then you see these like shifts because i think season two happened when like fear factor was really popular i think they're like you're eating fried testicles or whatever and so there's all these weird like outrage elements and like drama that's kind of par for the course with like survivor and fear factor and those kinds of things and it's nice to see over time because we kind of saw that with like even like top chef and stuff like real kind of gross out weirdo challenges like right at the beginning um so to see them develop into their own is it's it's been fun it's fun it's like watching a little child grow into a, a uh, mature child. Well, and we're on season two. Like season one was the fuzzy, uh, the oh. like the blurred lens. Season two is what Dell is saying, where it's fear factor. But season one also feels a lot like this mix of America's Next Top Model mm-hmm. with what else did we think it was like? America's Next Top Model. Uh, Project Runway. Project Runway. America's Next. So it's kind of like, it just feels like those two smushed together with RuPaul's great personality. Mm -hmm. But I'm guessing as it gets to like 
I am going to guess when it gets further along, it's probably going to differentiate more. RuPaul is a national treasure. I love RuPaul. Uh, Let's get her on the show. Fantastic. There's a RuPaul podcast, and I'm, I have it loaded I'm up. I'm going to listen to it. But a lot of it is kind of like having to do with the most current season of Drag Race, and I don't want to oh, like any spoilers, so I might, maybe I'll go like all the way back. I just think RuPaul's great. But um, so that's kind of the updates yeah. and the culture corner. And you know what? There's the culture corner, and we have this big, big teasy tease of a topic that you've been, that you've been luring me with mm. to get me in this new studio. But first, we have to go to the money corner. Ta-da! back so stephanie delbert you've been teasing me and teasing me with this topic i have not <laughs> have I? I uh yeah no yeah. i haven't well i well, here's the deal it's, this is our 133rd episode so i know that oh, so it's a big deal so it's a big deal because i know for 133 times i'm just on the edge of my that's a lot of research yeah uh so i know that something's coming yeah it's gonna be big well so what is it we had been talking about, we did open relationships, and then we did polyamory, and I thought about doing swingers. Well, you know, you know, the topic. Uh, but then I was just, there comes a point where you kind of get sick of looking at something. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> not that, it, like, not like a bad judgment way, but just like, eh, I need like something different. Like a research different. fatigue. Yeah, I had research You're fatigue like, on it. I get it. Everybody love everybody. Well, and so I didn't look into swingers. I was just kind of tired. But, you know, I'll probably come back to it someday. <laughs> yeah. To finish our suite on a non-monogamous, no, ter- uh, ethical non-monogamy. Yes. Okay. Monogamish. Monogamish. Uh, Monogamish. <laughs> Monogamish. Uh, but for this week, I figured we'd, I'd talk about something totally different. <gasps> I also realized it's not a downer topic, but the other two topics were pretty easy to have fun with mm-hmm. so you're so you were serving up delbert the comedian master a challenge you're lofting me a challenge well but then it's also one of those things where how funny do you want it to be so <laughs> but if you could help me keep it it's not depressing but you know what i mean it's not like hospice but i don't want it to be yeah <laughs> fair enough okay so it's in between something silly yeah like a whipped cream fetish and hospice. Well, Very I don't want to belittle those with a whipped cream fetish. I'm not belittling it. I'm just saying this it's easier to brought it would, to you by Cool Whip. It would be easier to have jokes about that. Yes. So I'm so okay. Yeah, we. I, I mean, I yeah. You know, I respect. I had it. one that just rolled off the it's tongue. It's still funny. <laughs> uh, so this is the split. It's where we take relationship topic or something like that and then we do a bunch of research on it and then talk about it okay so hit me so i thought this week we could talk about resilience 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 brilliant and resilient like a shining star yeah okay so i don't know how to bridge this weird gap without it becoming sounding like i'm so great but let i'm gonna do it anyway at the risk of sounding like... Honey, this is a podcast where we just talk. So if you say that you're great, I think that's fine. So, and I'm I'm not trying to like 
belittle my parents or anything like that. But I once went to a therapy session. And if you've ever done therapy, you know the first session is getting your history. And so they went through my childhood. And I was going through my childhood. And this happened and that happened and da-da-da-da-da. And then the therapist said... Or I said something like, oh, but I still feel like I had a really good childhood. And I do. Mm -hmm. I believe that. And then she said, with all of that, you still think you had a good childhood. (laughs) And to be clear, like none of it was really what my parents did. It was more like sometimes life gives you death and other people's (laughs) bad choices. Yeah, lemons. So it was more of a byproduct of other people's bad choices. But then... I said, yes. And then she said, so you must have developed resilience. Resilience. First off, I feel that for therapists and counselors, you should have like a like one of those R2-D2 discs that you just like plug right into them and then like uploads your whole story. So you don't have to just tell it all the time over and over again. Because sometimes it is, well, whatever. It's like, ugh. It's not okay. like I enjoy rehashing my life like that. Yeah. Um, secondly, you're resilient. So what is, so what? That was an interesting thing for her to say. And what does she mean by that? Well, that's what I... So I've heard it. And I think in the back of my head, I thought it meant I can overcome adversity, which is true. I think people understand that. But Mm -hmm. then I thought about if people are struggling with that or want to get better at it, or if I just want to understand what she meant by that, I have this podcast. Well, let's do it. Resilience. So... I also want to throw my dad in here on a different topic, but I feel like my dad wants to find resilience in a good way. And he said it in a masculine way. He said, the measure of a man isn't how many times you get knocked down, it's how many times you get back up. Yep, like uh, the great American philosopher. Basically. um, Chumbawamba once said. (laughs) I get knocked down. They're not American, (laughs) but I get up again. Basically. They're never going to keep me down. It's, Um, It's true. And you ride that all the way to the top. Uh, So... Resilience is the ability to get knocked down and then and come get back up again, up. like Chumbawamba said. And then one of the articles. Oh, by the way, this is from Psychology Today, APA.org, and then Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's finding a way to rise, which I liked. And I rise up. Wasn't that? A, who's that? Rise like the day I rise up. Is that? That's a song. Yeah. yeah okay. Who does? Who did it? Who did it? I can sometimes Alicia I confuse Keys, that song with a Maya Angelou poem, and I feel stupid because I should have looked it up. The pop star Maya Angelou. May you rest in peace. <laughs> it's probably Alicia Keys because she seems to do those like piano ballad yelly songs. Yeah. Uh, someone once told me Alicia Keys was a yeller, and it just <laughs> ruined everything for me. It's like she is not, and then you listen and you're. Oh. Yeah, I still like. Well, um, in the theater, they call it belting. Yeah, Get she's really belt good out at those it. High notes. We love you, Alicia. Be our friend. Uh, so the quote from one of the articles was: "The process of adapting well in the face of adversity, trauma, tragedy, threats, or significant sources of stress." Okay. One thing it doesn't mean: what it is, what isn't. It does not mean that you don't feel extreme pain. <laughs> you do and you will. So it doesn't mean you've just become numb to the world. It just means you've found a way to go through that. I'm so resilient. I don't feel anything. Yeah. That's kind of not, that's the opposite of resilience. I think 
there might be something more to that. <laughs> Maybe you were hit by lightning. Check our episode about uh, personality disorders. Not being a psychopath. Sociopath? Yeah. Uh, mm, Antisocial personality yeah, yeah, okay, disorder. There it is. So there are a few factors that kind of outline, like, are you a resilient person? And it kind of goes back to emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is these few things. So I'm just saying, like, these are the factors that are attributes of someone who has resilience. Okay. So they're optimistic and positive. Mm -hmm. And the reason that being optimistic or positive helps is because it gives you confidence in yourself and the ability to see your own strengths. Okay, cool. And so that helps because if you have a stressful event, it can soften the stress of that. Right. Because if you're always thinking, I suck and I'm terrible... Then it happens and you're like, wow, I do suck and I am terrible. No wonder. Yeah, no wonder it happened. I'm terrible. Uh, so the next attribute of someone who's pretty resilient is they have decent emotional regulation. Okay. And so that helps because if you have a stressful event, you're going to have really strong feelings and really strong impulses. Right, right. Well, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Something terrible happens and you're like. <gasps> yeah. Your cortisol, your whole body, your everything just goes. Bleh. And so, you know, some people react like that immediately and then it dissipates. But if you're always stuck in that state after something difficult or you can't get over that, it you never really control your feelings and impulses. Mm-hmm. But if you can have some emotional regulation, it allows you to be more cool-headed. And if you can be more cool-headed, it allows you to actually analyze what went wrong. Yeah. Okay. So, so versus being stuck in... Not that emotions are bad, but being stuck in the emotions of it all, it allows you to analyze things. I call that the freakout zone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that the freakout zone is great to be in for a bit. You kind of need it. Yes. If you're not, again, I'm worried yeah. about you. Uh, so you, but not to like live in the freakout zone. It's a zone. Life not, after the freakout zone. Yeah. Yep. Got it. The freakout zone. The freakout zone. We should make a business called that. Having a hard time? Here's called your... the freakout zone. You know, on the Kardashians, they had a thing where you could just go to this room and break stuff with a baseball bat. Like permanently in their house? It was these people that ran a business and it was all wooden walls, like in the middle of nowhere. And then they just put this glass table in them and then they had to wear these suits. And then they just got to break all this stuff. So full disclosure, I've actually thought about doing this for you for your birthday in the past. And like, how could I set it up? In our own house. <laughs> and oh. then I just kept thinking Whoops. and thinking and thinking, and it just my it hurt my brain. So I stopped because I couldn't figure out how do we how to how I to think, do it without ruining the things that aren't supposed to be ruined. I think you'd have to go. I, I don't think I'd want to do it in the house. I think I like the idea. It I involved a that. lot of plastic sheets. Yeah, I think in the woods, in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> or if there's a business that does this. <laughs> That's like most things. Yeah, you no. can do it in the woods or at the business that does it. <laughs> like axe throwing yeah. or restaurants yeah. <laughs> or the bathroom. Hunting? Hunting, yeah. Um, and then the next attribute is you see failure as an opportunity for feedback. And so having that attribute allows you to have the ability to make realistic plans mm-hmm. and then carry them out. Mm-hmm. Versus seeing a failure as, I'm this horrible person, I did this thing, or this horrible thing happened to me. 
instead seeing as like, okay, here's an opportunity to move beyond this. Here's the steps I can take to get there. Cool. Very cool. And then... Let cooler heads prevail. Yeah. Like a cucumber. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And then there are some people that are just more resilient. Maybe they're born that way. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they have a home life where they have people that have taught them to do that. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you can learn to be resilient. There are steps you can take to get there. That when you said that, your eyebrows did a thing and it made my heart feel warm and like soaring like an eagle. Aww. And <laughs> So resilience can be cultivated and it can be learned. So good news. So if you're going through a hard time, keep on going. And it's not suck it up. That's not resilience. No. Okay. Got I it. feel like that's a horrible thing to say. <laughs> suck it up. I, I mean, but maybe it's part of it because I do think like suck it up it's like suck it up helps you get out of the freak out zone but it's not the only way feel it go through it but then you gotta suck it up and move on maybe not suck it up just sounds so harsh it eventually does. you get what does on. that even mean though I, like I how does like that it, even like what do you who was like oh i lost all this milk and they're like suck it up <laughs> and that's how the phrase started <laughs> i mean there's a time and a place for that like sometimes you're just like okay you just need to get over what it does but... suck it up mean deal with it i don't know i need to figure this out now keep talking i'm okay you think about it okay so i'm gonna give you a few questions that they say to ask yourself to cultivate resilience but then i'm gonna go into the berkeley article that talks about five scientific back ways science science has backed ways to build resilience (laughs) science backed ways to become more resilient so are you resilient now here's some questions to ask yourself So when you fail, what questions do you ask yourself? Why? That's what I ask. Why? In the middle of the woods, (laughs) you're out of business. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Do you totally blame yourself? Hmm. I mostly would blame myself. Am I supposed to be answering this or are you just going to? I mean, it's up to you. Like, this is, these are things that people should be asking. Uh, well, podcast world, I guess we're going to find out if I'm resilient or not. I think I blame everybody, including myself, mostly myself, though. How do you view failure? <laughs> failure is just a success gone wrong <laughs> or a chance to learn. And do you demand perfection of yourself? Oh, no. Well... Yes, but no. It's a weird mixture. Of the two. <laughs> I hope I do. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe both. <laughs> so here are the five ways to build resilience according to Berkeley. Ready? I'm ready for the top five. Okay. The first is to change the narrative. Okay. So, yeah. No, I'm just I'm just like, okay, I'm thinking, okay, you got your the, the, the thing that happened is the narrative. Yes. And then you're just, the way you, your life is the narrative. And how you think about it. And so the way you change the narrative is what they recommended is different than what I thought. Oh, okay. So what science has found for helping to change the narrative is to encourage expressive writing. Oh. And they say expressive writing is take a journal and then just freehand write everything you're thinking through your brain about a topic for 20 minutes. Oh, wow. So just blah, 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 blah. like you you don't even necessarily think you just I mean you're going to think cuz your brain is working but don't 
worry about grammar or formatting or spelling or whatever. Just because a study found that those that did that for at least four days were happier six weeks later. Really? I need to do that. And then they found that doing that daily for three weeks, if you do it daily for three weeks, it helped people be more engaged in life. Cool. When I said I need to do that, it may have come across as like, because I'm not happy. I'm actually very happy. But I think it would it would be cool to be like more content and even more happy. Well, and I think, I don't know if it's something I could do daily or would want to, but I don't. Sometimes I'm pretty structured, so just having the chance to blah, 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 could mm-hmm. be helpful. Yeah, I agree. So that's a way that they, so changing the narrative through expressive writing mm-hmm. is something science has found is helpful. Very good. Um, number two. Number two. <gasps> you got to actually face your fears. Oh, no. And so. The whole point of life is avoiding fear. And discomfort at all costs. Well, and the thing is, so I have PTSD, which I think we've talked about Mm -hmm. before. And so what happens when you have PTSD, like most of the time I'm fine. Like most of the time my life is not really impacted. But if we have a huge life change, I tend to cycle back to some compulsive disorders. Mm -hmm. And so when that happens, I'll start picking one thing and just like overdoing it on that thing. Mm -hmm. Like I'll start washing my hands too much or I'll, like I'll come back to the house five times to make sure all the burners are off and like stuff is unplugged and I'll call Dell three times and be like is the iron unplugged is the iron unplugged is the iron unplugged mm-hmm. and it usually always is it always is and so like what I'm really scared of is something horrific happening but like the only way to actually get over that is to tackle the fear head on and face it and to like look it in the eye and be like what the hell am I actually scared of mm-hmm. And to stop avoiding situations or things that you're scared of. But it, it doesn't say, like, don't run into it screaming, like, I'm not afraid of you. But you need... <laughs> uh-huh. not gonna, that's not going to work. Not going to help. But you have to gradually expose yourself to things that scare you little by little. Ooh, like sharks. Oh, <laughs> uh, and awkward moments with coworkers. That would be good. So go be awkward. Yeah. And just stand there. I think that's a great example. Okay. Yeah. Like if you're scared to talk to coworkers, like say, confrontation. Say like once or twice this week, I'm gonna say hello, how are you to a coworker I don't know. Okay. That's a great example. All right. Look at me go. I yeah, I I said that one on purpose. Oh <laughs> what's another one? Um That's one I did, right? Everything is just like intangible, like existential fears, like I will never be good enough, things like that. Oh, well, maybe that would be one. And maybe the way to tackle that would be, I'm making something up. Every day, do a self-affirmation that's, I I can do enough today. Oh, I am enough. Today. Today. Just today. Well, I'm thinking like But every day. Small. Yeah, yeah. Better. That's very helpful, actually. Or give... Well, I'm I'm not trying to be stupid, but on Sesame Street, they say to give yourself a hug. Yeah, they do. And I'm like, well, if they're teaching kids that. Mm-hmm. Got a yellow light. Cool down. Think about it. Give yourself yeah. a hug. Yeah. Very good. If you're scared of needles, just like go give blood. What? No, I'm just <laughs> Just stick yourself <laughs> over and t- over again. Take up sewing. Stab your thumbs. You're mm-hmm. great. Very good. Develop diabetes. Great. Stab <laughs> your thumb. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the third is... Practice self-compassion. 
oh, I am bad at this. And so the quote from the article, because I couldn't find a way to summarize it better, self-compassion involves, and I quote, it involves offering compassion to ourselves, confronting our own suffering with an attitude of warmth and kindness without judgment. Why is that so hard? Um, I don't, I don't think it's hard for everybody. Oh, oh. no, failure. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I'm going through the cycle again. Some people I know are really good at it. Like, mm-hmm. they'll stop and rest and won't totally blame themselves. Other people aren't. No, I'm not, like, <laughs> yeah. looking at you like, well, some people I know. But, uh, you know. Uh-huh. But there are three aspects to self-compassion. Mm-hmm. One is being mindful. Okay. The second is knowing you're not alone. Oh. You are not alone. This episode brought to you by music. And then the third is to be kind to yourself, particularly mm. when you make a boo-boo. If you can't love yourself, yeah. how are you going to love anybody else? Quote, RuPaul. I love it. So self-compassion. Mm-hmm. The fourth one is meditation. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so someone, I think that same therapist said, anxiety is when you're scared of the future. Mm-hmm. Depression is when you're sad about the past. Oh, that's a very interesting way of putting it. That's probably totally oversimplified. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes. However, it's a good way of kind of framing it. Yes. So... The article said that the most painful thoughts are either on our past and all the bad things that happened, mm-hmm. or they're on our our future and we're scared or anxious about what will happen. Yes. So we're looking back or looking forward, looking back or it looking forward. It seems like everything that troubles me is either behind me or in front of me. One has happened and is done. One is not done yet. And something's telling me this meditation is all about what about where you are now? Perfect. Wow. So... Meditation helps with mindfulness, and I, th- I don't remember if we've done anything on mindfulness. No, we haven't. That'd be a good one. Okay. Um, pretty hot topic in the TED Talk arena. I mean. mm, be mindful. And mindfulness is bringing you to the present. Okay. Because in the present... It's a gift. Get I, it? Do you hear... Yeah. I saw that on a bumper sticker one time. A gift, a present, the... Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. I don't remember the quote. I don't know. The present is a gift. Quote Dell. TM, TM, TM. Perfect. That's mean. So, my phone brings you to the present. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, and meditation helps you with being mindful. Okay. And so, there was a study where they did, there's an eight-week mindfulness program called MBSR, which is Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. Ooh, this sounds promising. Yeah. So it's eight weeks of doing it, Mindful-Based Stress Reduction. And studies have found that folks that do this for eight weeks found that it helps people with both depression, so it helps with mental illness, and then it helps with illness in general. So if you have something chronic, like it can help alleviate a little bit of that. Hmm, cool. Um, so I don't want to say that like... Meditation will cure everything, but we have heard that, like, mindfulness is basically... There is something about being where you're at 
and not being anxious. Yeah. I do there's think- so many people in the world. It's almost like, how can you control anything? I'm thinking of this one exception for people that are in chronic pain. Because it is like, that's the one exception where I'm, sh- I'm sure that like meditation would probably help with some of that. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, I've, be- I've had chronic pain and like there's nothing you could tell me in the moment that would have helped. But, well, maybe there is. I don't know. I didn't do it. There's only one way to find out. Try it, I guess. Try it, I guess. Talk to your doctor first. But overall, like, with that exception. There's really nothing negative about trying to be more mindful. No, I I would agree. Like, literally, I don't think there's anything bad about that at all. Yeah, I don't think there's, I agree. There's nothing bad with trying to be in the present. Sorry, I was talking over you. Oh, no, you go. And then it helps you, like, just become more resilient. Yeah. Okay, so we've had one, two, three, and four. Five. What's five? Cultivate forgiveness. Forgiveness. Mm, more music songs. Can you imagine? Hamilton. I know. I'm going to play that after we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like choking on my own spit. <laughs> Stephanie, not I forgive you for coughing in our podcast. Remember the first time I listened to Hamilton and like you, you mean, came home and I was drunk on wine drinking <laughs> Hamilton. Drink, and you're like, I've listened to the soundtrack 10 times. I hadn't listened to it at all. And then it came on my Pandora and I was like, I should probably listen to all of this. And you did. This was good. Okay. I don't normally get drunk a lot, so, but I was like, I'll have a glass of wine or three and listen to this. So five on being more resilient is listen to Hamilton. Oh, so cultivate <laughs> forgiveness. Thank you. <laughs> And then what it said for that is, you need to ask, are you a person that holds on to grudges? Hmm. I don't think I am. I don't think you are either. But I never thought of myself as being like ultra forgiving. But I guess if I don't hold on to grudges. I think you're pretty forgiving. Well, thank you. I think you are. I mean. You're not really a grudge person either. Well, I think the thing is that I used to be. And then. I like a year or two into us being married. I, You're I, like, he's never going to close the cabinets. <laughs> no, it wasn't you. I made a list of all of the stupid things I held on to. Oh. And I remember on that list were things like Mr. Orcutt didn't let me climb the rope in gym class when I was five. Oh. And like a teacher said this thing when I was in third. Like, it was so stupid. Like, there were things that those people probably didn't do intentionally. Uh-huh. Or, like, I was really just giving a lot of energy. If they were people that had actually hurt me, it's like, these people don't care. Like, why am I giving them my energy? Well, I did a quick inventory internally of some things that, like, could be grudges. Like, what are some, like, things that happened when I was a kid that were, like, yeah. that I was still, like, mad about or whatever? And I guess that would exactly. be a grudge. And, like, they're all, like, super small and, like, People think about grudges of like, they stole my money and I'm mad. (laughs) It's like, oh, that's a big grudge. But like, they're like little things that are inconsequential and like, in the end, for me, didn't really matter. Exactly. I feel like the way I look at it though is like, if you think of a person or a situation and in your heart you feel that, that's a grudge. Grudge is an interesting word. It's like an automatopoeia almost. It like, sounds like what it is like an ugly gross or yeah. like no nah, i'm a grudge and Blah. i guess grudge gives this connotation of this big thing where you're plotting but maybe we call it something smaller like well, uh, maybe a grudge like an edge an edge 
Like, are you holding on to something that you really could have let go? Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, if you have the thought, then you probably are. Not that I, like, don't hold any grudges at all or I'm perfect, because I'm not, but it's just a good question to ask. And if you are good at forgiving, it leads to resilience. Yeah, because you, you're never going to, if you're always just angry at everything, you know. <laughs> What's that other quote, like... Holding on to hot coals only burns yourself or something. Oh. Whatever. Nice. That's why you got to throw them yeah. real fast. Throw them back at that person. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Very good. Uh, so now you're my, now I'm resilient. Boom. Now what? Now it's happened. So if you want support or help for building resilience, there's a few ways you can do that. There's the stuff we mentioned, expressive writing, practicing meditation, trying to cultivate forgiveness, trying to be more self-compassionate and facing your fears. But there's also other ways you can do that. There's in-person or online support groups. Mm -hmm. If you go to Facebook, there's Facebook groups for building resilience. If you want to get better at building forgiveness, there's two books that were mentioned. One is Nine Steps to Forgiveness. But if that's too many steps, then the next book is Eight Essentials When Forgiving. That's no, only one step difference. Yeah, give me like a four. Top, like give me four and then we're good. Or I just know. read half of that book. And like can fine. I just have like two steps and just be like forgiving? <laughs> um, You're like, if nine's too many, this one has eight. <laughs> uh, they also recommended you could get help from a trained mental health expert that can help with some of these things. Uh, But then there's also an online tool. I didn't really look it up, but they said the online tool was called Letting Go of Anger Through Compassion. Oh, wow. And I I thought about looking it up for next week's podcast to see what it was like and if it was cool. I'm all about that. Yeah. It's very good. So, Steph, you've been in this research. You're way deep inside of it. Give me your thoughts. When your therapist says you're resilient – how does this all kind of come together for you? I read all these and read the attributes and steps, and I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, I guess I must be, but I don't have the attributes of it. That So, I'm trying to think. If I could do one thing, I think that would be good. Uh, I'm okay with fears. I think I'd like to be more self-compassionate because i feel like that would help no matter what you are and it's got to help with 10 other things Mm -hmm. i don't know meditation would be good all of these none of these sound bad yeah if i do them am i really gonna it's not like it's gonna hurt if i try right but what do you think do you think you're resilient i think i think so i think it's like i wouldn't say like i'm the best at being resilient but i feel like there are elements of resiliency to me and that i can continue pushing forward yeah. I think most people have a little bit of resilience to them, at least. I think so. Like, if you've made it this long. Yeah. Yep. I think to give myself self-compassion, the one thing, we did a training at work last week, and they asked us what we would bring to a desert island that other people wouldn't have. And the one thing I said was, I have a momentary freak out. But then I'm relentlessly optimistic and positive to the point of like I see positive things that I should not see, right? (laughs) Like I'm too eager. Like I just – I'm like, no, we can fix this. Everything is going to be okay. Yay! Mm -hmm. Which is pretty resilient. I would bring 
a boat. <laughs> <laughs> but you'd fill it with? Uh, uh, people, and we'd leave the island. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say one positive thing about yourself. Uh, what, what, what good resilient thing would you bring? Oh, res- a, bo- a boat! <laughs> um, well, but yeah, I guess we're not talking about like a personal Okay, so thing. a boat and? Um, I would bring encouragement. Yeah, that's a good one. Encouragement. You can get that coconut. You can get drink it out of its white meats. And just yeah. slurp it down. You're gonna you're not gonna die from that berry. That I think. crab. Get that crab. You can get it. Eat crab it. Sounds really good. Eat that crab. I d- like build that hut. You can do it. I can't sleep out under the stars. Yeah. You can do it if you try. Come on, leave this island. Fight, fight, fight. Put your back into it. <laughs> if you dream it, you can do it. I got I got all of those all day long. I would bring that. So, Stephanie, thank you so much for bringing that research to us today. Like, that was really cool. And I I feel that it's something that whether you are in distress or you are doing really, really well, uh, practicing resilience and remembering resilience is something that is always going to be really important. Uh, Agree. Speaking of resilience, this made me think of our friend, Sam. And uh, we had her visit us a couple, oh, a month or a couple months back, maybe November. And she was working on a podcast and her podcast is out. It's called uh, You Survived. So now what? Um, And it's about survivor stories um, dealing with, okay, you went through this horrible, terrible thing. Now what? Yeah, that's a good plug. And she's gotten some really great feedback and uh, good reviews, and um, it's, it's a really great show. So go check that out. It's on all of the podcast places. If you are listening to your podcatcher, go and look it up. It's called... You Survived, Now What? Yes. And if you're on a place where they do reviews, like Apple Podcasts or whatnot, uh, make sure you give it a review to, to, to expand the reach of Sam and, and her awesome podcast. And then do the same for us. Give us a rating, review, share with your friends. Um, Hopefully this provided some inspiration to you and encouragement. And if you have someone who uh, might need a little help with resilience in their life or uh, some encouragement, please share it. And we just want to be helpful for people. So, And and funny. Helpful and funny. So, Stephanie, this has been another helpful and funny show of Learn to Like Each Other. Anything else? We hope that after listening to this podcast, you learn that you can like each other very, very, very much. much. And maybe yourself, too. Ah! <laughs>